Welcome to UX Banter Podcast Season 2. I am your host Dushyant Kanungo. Here, I speak with industry leaders about their journey in design and know more about what inspires them to become the best in the industry. This podcast is presented by Galaxy UX Studio and powered by Galaxy Weblinks, an Inc 5000 organization. Hello everyone. Welcome to the second season's episode of UX Banter Podcast. Our guest for today is a web designer who has turned into a UXer. She is a mentor, philanthropist and a sci-fi lover who is extremely passionate about creating great user experiences with research and strategy. The one who has worked with brands like Fathom, New Way and UMC. She is an award-winning professional. Please welcome the UX digital strategist and user interface designer at Overdrive, Shannon Kelly. Hello. Hi Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. how are you feeling today all good everything all good i think i've i've had a couple cups of coffee i got another one in front of me so i'm good to go <laughs> <laughs> as all the designers should industry wouldn't survive without tea or coffee if you ask me i mean that is the bare minimum requirement to survive yes absolutely and especially as i'm a parent so you know it's like you got to have coffee <laughs> to get to get by <laughs> All right. So what is like to, you know, the journey that you have been on from as a professional from web designer to the digital strategist part as it comes. I mean, how the journey was like, how did you came to be the professional that you are? Sure. Um so I I did graduate from the Art Institute of Pittsburgh um way back in <laughs> 2005. Um and uh you know back then the the those degrees were more focused on just design and the applications and stuff like that. There were no real UX programs in the school that I I went to. So it, it wasn't a thing where I went at least. For years I was working in either web design or in email marketing. um i've worked at a few agencies and i really picked up a lot of um different skills working at those agencies um i kind of learned the you know digital marketing as a whole i guess you could say and i was very passionate about that for a very long time um but i was i was still working very much as a visual or or a ui designer just just you know laying out designs and sending them off to the clients and 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 what not Um it wasn't until I was approached and said, "Hey, do you want to learn about conversion rate optimization?" and I was like, "Sure, like what's this?" and they're like, "Oh yeah, you can you can, you know, use data to justify your design decisions and also um how you learn to make recommendations and stuff like that." And I thought, "Oh, well that's interesting." And I really got into it. I I dove in head first into Google Analytics and uh, I learned about heat mapping and split testing and um from there it's this it kind of just propelled me into UX because um that's the I natural already... course of action because you were doing like half the things there already that you were uh, trying to understand the user's mindset and once you right. know that i mean it's it's natural to head into this direction yeah absolutely i think it's like i think my my passion and love for the more quantitative side of things um really did gear me up for learning more about the qualitative and and user interviews and and user testing and things like that so i think it's it's the one thing that kind of helped catalyst me from a designer to a ux professional is that is that gap where i had where i was like okay i can learn how to use this data to not only help my clients but also um make better recommendations for their users so it it was just kind of like that 
that the snowball effect, you know? <laughs> <laughs> True. And also the recognition that actually comes and being associated with the community helps. I mean, I can see that you were a board member at UXPA, which is one of the biggest conferences to take place in the industry. What's your experience like engaging with the conference from the inside? I think it's it, it's fun. It's um it's a really interesting like journey there. I think it's like, I originally was like, okay, yeah, I want to volunteer and help out and kind of, um, you know, help other people in the industry, not only break into the industry, but learn more about the different aspects and, and um, you know, ways of testing and stuff like that in UX. And I think um, uh, when I was brought on, it was kind of like, okay, you're going to, you're going to do this. And then we're going to help you out here. You know, you're going to do this here. And I was like, okay. And then it ended up kind of like just progressing and okay, you're going to be our social media person for, you know, the, the local chapter of UXBA <laughs> Cleveland. And then um, from there, I kind of like, I, I could say, you could say I kind of rose the ladder, but I think I was unofficially the vice president of the board um, starting this year. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I was able to take all my, my actual uh, marketing knowledge and all my UX knowledge and kind of combine that and and really help educate people and, and put together events and whatnot. So um, UXPA is actually quite popular and solid with great attendance. I mean, I attended the one in 2019, the last one actually in person conference. It was in Boston and yeah. uh, it was jam packed with people. I mean, from top to bottom, you can see, and we were exhibiting there as well. Got to meet a lot of interesting people there. Quite a few talks that we got about design system and stuff. They were amazing. So yeah, it was quite a bit of a conference to be at. And understanding that because the size and the impact of UXPA goes into the community of designers, I think what the way that you are connected is, you know, something special. Yeah, I, I mean, it's especially since like it was our local little chapter here in Cleveland, Ohio, and it was um you know we're able to impact people in our community that are looking for jobs that are looking to advance and and it was a great opportunity to, to network and also you know help companies find you know willing and and excited candidates too you know in the area so um you know i hope one day i can attend uh you know a, a big uxpa international conference um someday i guess you know with the pandemic and all that stuff, it's been kind of hard to do all those in-person <laughs> events, but I hope to knock on wood one day go and uh, be a part of that and maybe, you know, be a part of that organization as well, so. It has made a lot of difference to the world, the entire, you know, the pandemic thing, especially with researchers, it becomes really difficult to actually get with the people. New challenges have uh, risen, new technologies have taken the center stage, of course. So, in, in that regard, I think that is when I need to ask you that you are also mentoring with ADP List. I mean, I am also a mentor there. And mm -hmm. uh, if you know, the first season's first guest that we had is Mr. Felix Lee, who is the founder of ADP List. So how is the experience of mentoring has been during the last few years? I think it's it's funny. It's um, I think the opportunity to mentor has really grown a lot more, um, especially since the pandemic lockdown, everything, and everybody's been online anyways. I think it's been easier to reach more people um, you know, digitally and, and all, all across the world uh, to be able to talk to them, mentor them and help them in their journey and guide them, you know, wherever their passion lies and help, you know, steer their, the direction of where they want to go. Um, you know, I think before the pandemic, it was very much like, oh, I'll just, you know, local people help them out or, you know, talk to people here and there. And it's really just kind of grown. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm in, I'm in, uh, UX groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff like that. And people reach out all the time. They're looking for help with their portfolio. And even if it's not in a formal setting, I can at least say, hey, let's get on a Zoom call or yeah, I'll review this for you. Give me a few days and I'll give you some feedback and whatnot. So I think it's been a, just a great opportunity to um, 
just help people. I think that's where I'm really passionate about is, is helping people. Um, you know, I, I think that comes, the, this is kind of like my core uh, journey for UX is, you know, you want to make the experience better for people um, and that's helping them in some way. And if you can make things easier for them, it's like, okay, it's all kind of goes hand in hand. I enjoy mentoring because I enjoy helping people and I enjoy UX because I enjoy helping people. <laughs> so, it's all, it all goes hand in hand. Yeah, but this is not just about mentoring in the UX itself, right? I mean, you are also associated with a lot of humanitarian causes uh, with food bank and uh, with education, human rights, and you you keep yourself busy with all sorts of activities where you are constantly trying to make the world a better place. You're always helping out people with, uh, you know, a lot of things which people who are at disadvantage, you are constantly moving yourself and, you know, trying to help them with something or the other. So how does that has inspired your work or changed your work as a UX professional while knowing that there is a lot of suffering in the world? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I very much have um, equity in mind when I think about UX. I think there's opportunities to um, help people that maybe don't get the advantage that other people may get. And I think there's there's something that, you know, like, like I said, there's a passion of helping people. And I think it's like, you know, just allowing people to have access to things that maybe they didn't necessarily have access to or couldn't have access to or you know or maybe just at a disadvantage so um I, I think that's like regardless of where what I'm working for or I'm volunteering for or whatever like that I I just feel it's a it's a big passion of mine I think you know working at Overdrive we're we're the digital ebook and uh you know ebooks and audiobook distributors uh, for all the pretty much all the <laughs> all the libraries um, in the United States, probably about ninety percent of them, and then um, we also do schools too. And I think uh, our mission there has always been uh, supporting the library. I think it's that that's the one place in the world where everybody can go and 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 it's you know equitable. It's got access to everything that you need there. If you need uh, access to the internet, you can get that there. If you, you know, books, audiobooks, movies, music, anything, you can get that at the library. You can go there for career advice for people, you know, you have librarians that'll help you write a resume and, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, work on your, your, you know, your doctorate, doctorate or something like that. You have a, you know, uh, a, a report or something like that you need help with. They'll, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, what age you go into the library and it's, you know, sure. equal, equal opportunity for everybody there and anybody can Those get a library are, card. You know, libraries, <laughs> libraries are truly the only last few places have left on this planet where you can simply walk in and not expect it to pay anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it. I think, um, I think that's where my passion and, and helping people and, and, um, and whatnot. I think working for Overdrive has been really great because yes, we are a for-profit company. We want to make money, but at the same time, we're very much supportive of that of that initiative of keeping the libraries alive. Um, when the pandemic hit and all the libraries shut down, it's like people were like, "What am I going to do? I can't access my you know books and stuff like that." And we were able to say, "Hey, we're here for you." You know, you can get a library card online. Some, you know, at most your locations, um, you know, you can still access your books here, but it's just going to be in digital format. So I think a lot of people learn the advantages of that, and I think um, what the library provides, you know, where that that you know equity comes in is it's free for everybody. You can you can borrow a book. You may have to wait for it, but you can borrow a book for free or listen to an audiobook. And you're not paying for a subscription on you know a big name company out there. So so it's like 
you know, people, you know, people buy books, which is great. You need to support your, your publishers and your authors. Um, but, you know, supporting your local library also supports those, those people too. So um, I, I just think it's a great opportunity, you know, to, to be able to spread the message of here, you can get all the knowledge you can for free and, you know, utilize your library, please. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In our city here, what they have done is that people have started those whiter spaces on rent for students. So they just generally call it library, but what they actually give you is an air conditioning and internet connection. And you can bring your laptops in there and it is everybody will be quiet and just to give you that ambiance of a library and yes. uh, people can actually sit down and do their work if they get a lot of distraction, maybe at work or maybe at any other place. So that sort of hot desking is at a very cheap rate, sir, they are actually offering and calling it a library. I think it's more about the feeling that you have that sort of safe space that you can sit down and do your own thing, read a book, maybe write a book if you want to. Yeah, uh, but, exactly. you know, uh, yes, I think that actually works a lot better. But it's true that libraries should survive and we should do everything in our power to make that happen. And you being at Overdrive, I think that is, you know, one of the great stories that you have just said that, you know, the company actually works in the favor of that. All right. With that, I'm moving to our section of UX Panda podcast, which is called Rapid Fire. Okay. <laughs> so I, are you ready? Yeah, I, I guess as best as I can be. <laughs> <laughs> So they are not going to be that controversial or maybe that, you know, the way that you want to answer it, it will go uh, the funny or not. So let me shuffle the deck. So I have no clue that uh, which are the question and what is the order. We'll just run through them. And because it is going to be rapid, I'll just, you know, switch and ask. Okay. okay. Your last Google search. Oh, uh, I don't even know. I guess um, I think it was a recipe. I think I looked up a recipe. <laughs> recipe of what? Uh, it was a cookie. It was called uh, the kitchen sink cookie. It has it's like a chocolate chip cookie with pretzels and car caramel in it. So <laughs> okay, with that, fast food or fine dining? Oh, fine dining if I can. I mean, if I can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> but don't get me wrong, I like a good Chick Fil A too, though. That's fast food. <laughs> Uh, well, I've got an answer that was actually quite a balance, which was like a good bar food, which is not a fast food, but not a fine dining. And you get a perfect balance of, you know, the, all the cravings of a carb that you can actually run through with it. That's but... absolutely right. That's, that's a good answer, too. <laughs> <laughs> Your least favorite subject in school or college? Uh, probably, uh, English, uh, language. Yeah. I, I, I was always bad at writing. I was always bad at it. So I hated writing papers, <laughs> which is funny because I'm going back to school now. So. SEO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The irony is never lost. I mean, every time we are going to talk, I mean, we were speaking with another individual on the topic here and, uh, they said that they hated mathematics, but now all they're doing is creating dashboard for enterprise applications. I'm like, this, and, and it wasn't lost on them, but they said, yeah. that's the you know world for you. <laughs> okay. yeah, same. I can't say math now because I use a lot of qualitative, quantitative data. So I'm like, you know, I'm adding, <laughs> subtracting, you know, dividing. <laughs> okay. If you can move anywhere on earth, where would you go? If I were going to move, I think it would probably be Australia because I've got family there. So Oh, nice. Um, so I've been to Sydney, though, uh, but that's the only thing that I know around Australia. Okay, your guilty pleasure. Binge watching uh, sci-fi shows. So I would say that my latest would be um, Stranger Things. That was the, my guilty pleasure is just binge watching. That. 
touche. I mean, I'm right there with you. Right now, I'm watching the Orville and uh, the Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, there's okay. a new season which has, uh, you know, just come out. But yeah, yeah, that's right there. Okay, books or movies? Oh, uh, books, for sure. I work at I work for a company that supports libraries. I gotta say books. <laughs> what's what's your favorite book then? Um gosh, that's so hard to land uh land down. There's so many good books out there, but I guess I would say um uh I recently just read uh The Secret Life, I think it's Secret Life of Addie LaRoe, I think it's called. And it's a really interesting book. Um, I think that's what it's called. I could be wrong, but, <laughs> but that was a good one. I read through it very fast, and I think that's probably why I forget the title exactly. But yeah, <laughs> no, it happens. But yeah, I, I'm glad that it wasn't a UX book because generally we get a lot of recommendation on UX based books, and I'm like, yeah, somebody must say something about something which is not related to UX. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, know like more I, about. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I love my UX books. I got a pile of them on my desk over here, but. Um, if I'm going to read for pleasure, it's going to definitely be something like sci-fi, fantasy, something around, you know, that realm. So true. Are you a sunrise or a sunset person? Sunset person, because I am a not a morning person. <laughs> okay. Go out or stay in? Uh, stay in. I think we're, I'm a little bit of a hermit sometimes. <laughs> Just a homely person would be nice. I mean, not yeah. saying <laughs> I mean, so if you want to eat that bar food, you have to go out. That yeah, is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a lot of ordering in if I do order out though, because I've been ah. I've been having to deliver DoorDash or Grubhub or something like that. You know, <laughs> I, I I I was the recluse as well, but uh, I have a few friends of mine who would just you know park their car on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon in front of my house, and just shout that why don't you just sit here? We'll take you out somewhere. We'll have uh, some food and then we'll drop you back. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you win $10 million tomorrow, what would be the first thing that you buy? I think uh, if buying is paying off my house, I'd probably pay off my house. <laughs> That's officially buying it, right? You're, you're those, those, it are, those are actually passed by. You already sent, uh, spent the money. I'm just saying the new thing that you need to buy. Um... Uh, I don't even know. I think I would just invest in stocks. I don't know. <laughs> That's buying stocks. There you go. Buying stocks. I would buy stocks. <laughs> cool. So least favorite job title till date? Internet specialist was the least favorite job title. What, what does that even mean? Um, I was basically a web designer, but they they just they just called the internet specialist because I worked on the internet. So <laughs> I mean, like this is like the only person in the company who knows anything about the net. And yeah, they... I'm like I, I I was the only like you know peon that worked there that knew that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm like so I was the internet specialist, and I thought well that doesn't really um, help my career path at all. <laughs> it sounds this like I'm in IT, me, you know? <laughs> yeah, this reminds me of that show, The IT Crowd, uh, which yeah. was on BBC, that left click, right click, double click. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I love that show. <laughs> Amazing, actually. And then they have this internet. So when yeah. you say that you are, the, <laughs> you are responsible for uh, making internet. sure that the internet doesn't break, which is placed at the top of the big Ben tower <laughs> okay one day in your life you would like to relive I think I would go back and um relive my you know my wedding day I think that would be fun um hmm. 
yeah it was a simple day and it was it was it was a good day but it was you know just a very simple wedding and i would go back and do that again nice memories well yeah. congratulations i mean you know some people people do not go there and say it was a horrible we had this and that and those <laughs> things and people got drunk and there was a big fight and all <laughs> that was my first marriage that was my first wedding i would say it's like my current marriage i said that wedding yeah yeah no i yeah <laughs> it was a very nice experience it was very it was very low-key let's just say that Great, great. With that, I think I have done with the cards deck. So this goes back down here. <laughs> and coming back to the UX part of it. So yeah, sure. this is one thing that actually came out when we were actually doing some research, which is about the deep dive mapping in UX. This is one term that actually uh, I really wanted to uh, talk more about if you're comfortable. Yeah, sure. I kind of believe like, you know, like with 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 UX, Sometimes people get caught up in like the specialties in certain areas. They just want to do the quantitative and qualitative stuff. So, or, or one of the one of the, either either one of those. So I think it's it's important to deep dive into every aspect of data that you can. Um, you know, no matter no matter if you're conducting that that data or conducting those tests or whatever like that. You know, being able to sit down and really digest that information. So, I'm just a, a very big fan of of. People say it's like you shouldn't be a unicorn, but I'm a fan of being a unicorn because you get to know how things work throughout the whole process. And I think, you know, in, in my in my case, I'm like, I, I don't mind that, you know. Um, yes, you should have a focus of something that you're really good at, you know, but I think there's there's no shame in, in knowing different aspects of, of you know, what UX can can do, what you can, you know, the different types of testing methods, the different, you know, types of data pooling and whatnot. I think there's just something... Um, there's something good about being able to kind of combine all that data together and figure it out, organize it, you know, and make it make sense of it. You know? <laughs> so that is, I think, if somebody asks it, what does a UX do? And the answer could be that we just make sense of things. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great answer. I think that's like we make sense of things and um, we try to push back <laughs> and, and make things go the way we think they should go. You know, I, I think instead of saying, you know, I think we should do this. It's like, I know this is the right way to do this because we, you know, we tested with people. We asked people, we, we looked at data. This is the way we should be going. Not the way you're suggesting, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's hard sometimes. I think it's hard to, to, to be the type of person to be the pushback person. And I think, um, I, I, I think it's, yeah, we make sense of things and, and, and hopefully we push back when we can. So <laughs> It, it is a big responsibility to do the user advocacy at the table. I think uh, that has always been my uh, theme of this show that whenever we are going to talk, the importance that you know a UX designer gets uh, when we are actually converting, it's not just your, you are important, it is just the, the people behind you, the users give you that sort of a power to uh, represent them at the table when the decisions are being made. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's important that like we're first, you know, we're at the table first along with everybody else who's planning, you know, whether it's um, major stakeholders or or whomever, you know, the project managers, like we should be at the table in that discussion of strategy and what's the plan for this project, what what are we gonna do? I think a lot of the times, you know, there's there's a lot of companies that have um, immature UX practices and it's like you know they're they're tossing us in at late in the game or just when we launch it or 
yeah, we'll iterate on that type of thing. And it's like, no, we could have done this right the first way. And you're not sitting there doing iterations of, of development and design updates in the, you know, in the future. If we're, if we're at the table in the forefront, if we're planning, strategizing and organizing things, um, you know, we can make the process easier for everybody in a company. <laughs> so <laughs> Sharon, right, right, right. You know, putting that thought directly that, you know, we have this one client where we've been engaging for a long run project. And then we said that, why don't we have user testing? And their answer was, we know these people, we know how they work, how they think, and we know everything about them. And then the product is built, it is launched and they say, there is a lot of issues in the UX. We are receiving feedback from people. That feedback could have been taken at the wireframe stages, not to build the product, launch it in the market, and then collect that feedback. Um, and that is what is you call user testing. So yeah. it is just uh, people don't understand that the difference between collecting feedback and the user testing, as it is called. So yeah. I mean, you can find those issues beforehand, before launch. And especially, I like to say, like, I know it's hard for small companies to like have a dedicated UX team or pay for a UX company to come in. Um, but if you're a small company, you know, entrepreneurial kind of, you know, like status type of thing, you're very, very small and you're trying to launch a product for the first time. You're like, you know, that this would benefit the world. This thing is going to be great. You're going to just go out and launch it. You know, 95% of like small businesses fail, you know? So if you had somebody on your team that said, hey, let's do some testing and some even just some market research, you know, doing some just to just to find out if this is really is a need, if it's something that people want, um, if they find value in it. Uh, if you do that up front, you can really make better decisions. And I, 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 I fully believe that if small companies could invest in some kind of UX, um, more would succeed in the long run, you know, True. you, you would there get has that feedback in the forefront, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this brings us to the, the point where people are trying to understand that what these professionals are trying to do. I mean, uh, going back, we have had a long careers. I think I would I would imagine that when you start as a web designer and internet expert, uh, <laughs> <laughs> internet specialist, I think obviously there are designations which have been changed and updated. I started as a graphic designer then they were calling me web graphic designer for some reason and then mm -hmm. i said what is a web graphic designer it's a web designer <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they decided no it is not just web and they design mobile as well so it is ui designer because yeah. apple decided to make iphones and all yeah. that so during the past a lot has changed the way that we are approaching design the way the designations have laid out and then we are designing for smart watches we are designing for smart glasses next is ar and vr and all those things which are on the way where do you think we are headed because now we can talk about the ux which is designed directly by artificial intelligence so where do you think the ux is headed um sometimes i get scared at where the direction of ux is headed um, sometimes I feel like I, I view things going backwards to, to the ways that was, okay, we're just going to design a website and put it out there type of thing, or we're just going to put, you know, design an app or whatever. Um, you know, I, I fear that we're not going to be, um, in the forefront of those strategies and, the, and those projects and whatnot. So, um, that's where I fear it's going, where I think it could be a really great thing is if more companies obviously had a better more mature UX practice in their companies. Um, if, if, you know, they're hiring professionals and they're hiring not just people who are experts in the field, but also hiring junior people who are, you know, struggling to break into the industry um, and, and give them a chance and just show what they can do. Um, you know, there's, there's, 
I know it's tough. It's like, you know, you want an expert, but they also want to hire at like a entry level budget. You know, you always hear that on jobs and whatnot. So, I mean, if you can hire junior people and some experts to on your team, I think that's great. I think that's um, I think that would that's a great balance because I think uh, experts and seniors in, in the industry really I mean, from what I've seen, really do enjoy helping and supporting junior people. So. I, I completely agree with the, there is another fact that I'd like to add here. There's another uh, caveat, which is, um, I think the creativity is like an energy that you have. And as the time goes by, you run the risk of running out. So in the early stages of your career, you are very inspired by these beautiful UI designs and you want to recreate everything in your you know, client designs and all. And then with time, that energy actually slows down. And, uh, you know, for that, you need fresh blood and you have to hire freshers. You don't need to um, get people who are already molded by somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. if I'm getting a fresher and I'm trusting them that they have the capacity and, you know, they we can trust on them to uh, do something which is out of the box, they will give you the solutions that you might not get from, a, say, eight or 10 years old um, experienced fella because they will be scared to touch the buttons on the VCR. <laughs> I, I yeah I I, I kind of agree on that because I, I right now I have a an intern that we hired for the summer um she didn't have like really any UX experience as far as like what you you know qualify as UX now she had a little bit of Google Analytics uh knowledge but she had more of a web developer um design background so it's very design heavy and and she knew a little bit of code too um she was really interested in learning more of like how to gather data and whatnot but was really good about it is that she came in to the company with a really fresh perspective. She had no idea what the company did um, until I obviously she was interviewing um, and, and, and she came in and I gave her a project and she just had a like a completely different point of view of the project. And I thought, this is good. This is fresh eyes, fresh blood. Absolutely. It's she just she's looking at it from a different perspective. I've been here four years. The people who are on the team, you know, like they may be here eight to ten years or something like that. You know, they're they're used to seeing things, you know, through the lens of like how we talk within the company. And she's looking at things from an outsider perspective. So I, I think there's there's value in hiring people who are are junior or interns or whatever it is, because you don't just like throw work on their plate and just hope they can complete it. I think there's an opportunity for them to learn and grow and, you know, potentially get hired in your organization too. So, um, yeah, I think, I, I just, I just think that if, if, if more companies were willing to not only hire seniors, but hire a junior, um, you know, there, I think, has to I be, think, there has to be a balance. I think. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's absolutely the fantastic strategy to have. Then you will have people you can rely on. You can give them work as it comes in volumes and you get delivery as standard because they know how you know work is done and finished but then you have these new breed of people who know that how to go out and drag the shackles and bring something new to the table the new micro interactions some fancy animation a new javascript that does wonders and they have this <laughs> constant knack of you know hitting the hammer you know <laughs> yeah to the, She's just, uh, I was gonna say, even like, you know, they're just more inspired and just ready to go. They're just wanna, they wanna learn all they can and absorb it. And I think, you know, when you've been in the industry for years, sometimes you can get beat up, but like you're saying, that that kind of drain, your energy drains on it, you get beat up, um, you know, you're kind of sick and tired of pushing back or, try, you know, so it's kind of good to have somebody who's so enthusiastic about uh, not only the work that they're doing, but learning in the process it's it can be very refreshing you know it's, it can be very inspiring sure. too and um so you know with, 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 
with freshers and seniors debate, let's talk about you. Uh, yep. You have won quite a few awards in your time uh, with regards to the, in the, <laughs> so how much um, inspiration that you get out of these recognitions or how have, you know, they've been, you know, played the bigger role. So, you know, of course, if you are participating or, you know, in a, there is a contest that you are actually putting. So what sort of energy levels you need to maintain? What motivation should one have that, uh, you know, putting yourself out there, seeing that, okay, here's a contest that I'm going to go in. I really want to make sure that uh, we put our best foot forward because many people just see that those things happening, but never there to actually just say, yeah, let, let me try it out. Yeah, I think there's like a, a dual type of like inspiration to do these type of things. I think one thing is like, especially if you're really happy about the company you're working for, um, especially if it's like an external type of contest type of thing, um, it's not only a, a way to like promote yourself, promote your skills and show off what you can do, but then also there's there's uh, that brand recognition that goes around the company you're working too. So if you're like, True really jazzed about where you work and you want to like really help promote them it's kind of a it's, it's a two birds one stone type of thing you can <laughs> you can promote yourself and promote your company by winning these awards and then usually you know a good company will also say okay we recognize you won this award we're going to help you know push it out promote it and say okay guess what so and so won this in the newsletter and so it's just it i think there is a level of like you know, you just want a little bit of appreciation for the work that you do sometimes. Like I said, UX work in general can beat you up. So if there's a way that you can keep yourself motivated and, and a drive towards something, um, you know, I think it's it's getting that recognition that a lot of people like. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I would I hope that more companies would also, you know, recognize their employees' hard work yeah. internally, too. I've won a couple like employee of the year core value awards before a <laughs> couple different jobs not not bragging but i'm just saying like you know, i i worked i worked very hard for those it companies. does matter it does matter when your own organization makes sure that the recognition is in place uh, so you're not just there as a placeholder ux person but also somebody the organization responds to and that is where the entire you know culture comes to play in that the organization that you're supporting or working with uh, does they recognize the value of a UX design or the thing that, or the job that you're doing. So on the path of the journey of scaling your career, we talked about that we should hire uh, freshers. So let me go to the other side of the fence. So what advice you would give to somebody who is just starting out in the journey of UX and what they should do to be stand out from the crowd and be hired? Yeah, sure. Um... I guess I would say it's it's tough right now because there's a lot of hard skills that you can learn, like you know applications and things like that. So I, I wanted to kind of focus more on like the soft skills that you can learn that maybe um, you don't think about are actual skills that you can put on your resume or your portfolio. But I think it's important to really um, to highlight these things. And I think I, ha I have a list of five things I wanted to talk to through. <laughs> Amazing. Um, the first yeah. one I think is the most important skill that you can have as a UX person um, in this in this in this industry is uh, critical thinking. Um, don't take anything at face value. Really think things through and and be methodical and always ask why 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 whether it's why is this project coming to us or asking users why do you feel this way why did you do this why and just being very critical and very, very analytical about things. So um, I think that's this thing called seven why theory or the, you know, you ask everything. If you ask 
about anything seven times, you get to the philosophy of it, you'll understand everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, my second thing is like analyzing and organizing multiple data points. I talked about that before kind of being, um, you know, maybe a unicorn in a sense, but at least knowing how to analyze and read data from different data points. Um, I think it's, you know, like you said, somebody didn't said they didn't like math uh, in school and all they're doing is doing like, you know, data. And, but yeah, then yeah. The, the best part about that is I 100% agree with the second point as well. Evidence-based design, rather than saying that why was done something certain way, if you say because of the data, I yeah. think that is where you won. The argument is in your favor rather than somebody says, I felt like it. And they say, oh, I don't like it. Can you just move it five pixels to the other side? <laughs> it's like, why? Why are we doing why? this? Yes. Having, having the <laughs> argument of like, no, this is probably just best to just do it this way. And I know I, it can be hard to do that too, especially with like high level, you know, C-suite, maybe stakeholders that are in the industry might, you know, want to push back and might want to do something that they want to do. And I think it's always good to just be like, hey, that's a great idea look at what we found here. So just, just being, you know, negotiating, but also, you know, ha having, having your, 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 um, what is it? Ut utility belt, you know, your Batman utility belt. <laughs> if you can have like all that knowledge and information ready to go, like mm -hmm. that's just, that's just going to give you more, you know, more speed, more, 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 Confidence. more uh, authority and, and more. Yeah. That is, that is what is called being prepared yeah, uh, yeah. for any contingency. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, piggybacking on that, I, I was going to say the ability to push back. I know it's hard to push back. I think there's there's people like me who are a little bit more like, eh, I don't want to rock the boat. But if you're able to at least back your, your decisions and your push back with that data, that's great. Um, uh, be conscientious of other people's work styles. I think um, we get so caught up in, well, I like it this way and I'm going to do it this way. And I think being a great team player on a good UX team uh, means you recognize how other people work and their styles and how they sure. take feedback and, and how they, you know, receive feedback and how they're, how they're giving it to you too. Um, you know, sometimes people can be very blunt and it doesn't mean to come off as mean, but they, you know, some people can take it very like personal. I, I think if you can just work with people and, and, you know, you can create a great UX team um, by just realizing what everybody's styles are that they prefer to work in. Maybe people it like- time to it takes time to match the frequency because everybody is not, you know, attacking you on the personal front. It's yeah. just that you need to understand uh, their school of thought where they're coming from. Yep, absolutely. And I think that that just makes a better cohesive team, regardless of where you work or what team you work on. Um, and I would say the last thing that's really important for people in UX is to have patience and be resilient. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get pushed back on. You're going to, you know, people are going to make decisions oh, that are frustrating. Yes. Um, you didn't, you know, you're like, I'm not falling on the sword. I'm, you know, I'm not going to take the blame for this type of thing. You're, you just need to have patience and resilience. I think that's the hardest thing. I think a lot of people quit because they just can't handle the fact that people still don't get what UX is. You just got to keep, you know, pushing at it and, and, and just, you know. Yeah. Why something was proposed like that in the first place, that context sometimes uh, is missing. And when that happens, there is a lot of times you end up with a product that looks like uh, half unicorn, half a zebra or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been dealing that with that recently where, you know, where I work right now and it, you know, it happens and people have their own ideas and, and things that they want to do. And I think, um, you know, they're still learning the importance of UX and, and, and that's fine. I mean, there's, there's a lot of learning to do there. 
I just have to let things roll off my back sometimes and just say, okay, I'm not falling on the sword. I'm not taking the blame for how this performs. If it performs bad, that was your choice, not mine. And here's, here's, I have it in writing. Let's say I have it in writing. <laughs> it wasn't I think mine. there is a, yeah. So the proper solution to that, I think you're there that you would write that, that you have something in writing that I'm giving it to you, but with protest that there is, this is not the way to do it. But here is an alternative that I believe is far more solid. So in turn, that if six months down the line, somebody said, who designed it? And it, it's your name that pops up. You have to hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not mine. <laughs> so this is where, this is another advice that actually goes not just for the uh, new starting people or freshers, but also people who are in mid-career. That you know, every time you ask somebody to show for their portfolio, they come up with the excuse like, okay, everything that I did was for work and this is my work. And then it, it's because people didn't want it to be this way. Uh, people wanted it this way. So what could I do? So I think the best suggestion that we can actually give there is that why don't you make one version the way you think was better mm -hmm. and just keep it now because it hasn't gone into development. You you know, it is free of all the NDS. It is just a concept. You never delivered it. It was never into the competition. It was uh, never for the work purpose. This is what your interpretation was naturally. So you can use that any way you like. So that way we would understand that what your work was. Um, if the product is not liked by people, you have a solid reason to defend that, you know, this is uh, what we actually wanted to produce. And in the longer run, if your organization realizes that, you know, you, that was the direction that somebody should be headed into. So they can always come back to you asking that, yeah, that was a good idea earlier on. And now we can go and implement that. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think there's also value in, um, if you show the version that went live, let's say, and the version that you proposed, um, if you have data around how that the version that went live went live and like how you think it would, you know, your impact of, of changing it and doing it this way would be, I think if you can show like, I mean, obviously you don't want to put anything that's like confidential out there, but if you can say, oh yeah, our conversions went down 20% or something like that, you know, like there's... A, and, and kind of show in the process is like, this isn't what I wanted, but this is what happened. So here's what I'm proposing and how I got to this design decision um, and hope that we can go in this direction or, or you know, maybe, maybe you're not working there anymore, but you know, this is the way I wanted it to go type of thing. So definitely showing any kind of, you know, stats that you can, that's not confidential um, to, to, to show like, you know, either failures or improvements in something is, is always a plus, you know, I always say, um, a lot of the times in portfolios, I see people say, and this is the conclusion and this is the, this is what went live. And it's like, okay, that's great. Do you have any information about how it actually performed went live? Like, you know, after the fact, yeah. did you have to iterate? Did you have to, you know, what, what, what data can you give me around that? Um, I think that's one thing that a lot of people will end up missing, um, when it comes to this portfolio. So it's not just about showing the process of how you got there, but also show me how it performed. Even if it went bad, if you, tanked, you can say what you learned from it and 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 how you plan to improve upon it. So um, there's, there's, I mean, True. nobody's saying we have all the answers and that we're 100% correct. We can only assume with the data that we have and the, and the direction that we're I think in. a case study that actually says we failed miserably, that holds more value than saying that we just did everything by the book and everything won uh, Oscars. Yeah. That, yeah. Is not... <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, I've done things in the past with conversion rate optimization and it's like, 
okay, we were hoping to have a greater lift in conversion on this, but we only had like 1% conversion lift. Okay, well, at least it's 1%, but, or, you know, it, maybe it didn't go anywhere and like we had to iterate on it. So there's no, there's no shame in showing the process that you took the, to improve This that. is how you calculate ROI of UX as well, that how much you spent and what sort of output that you've got. I mean, there is no other way to um, calculate that what was the benefit of actually putting up a team of UXers uh, for this purpose. Otherwise, just devs could have just developed something and uh, sent it to market. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So this was a fun session. I mean, it was a pleasure, Shannon, to have you on our show. And uh, that, you know, with all the chats that we had, it's about the, you know, the career side of things, the progression of it, the industry, the way it has evolved. And I believe that we actually touched upon a, a few serious topics on the way that it is not just uh, flamboyancy that actually comes from the creative background, but it's more about understanding the seriousness and the responsibility that we have, which is evangelizing UX, talking to people about the why they actually need it, uh, and understanding and explaining people that why user testing is important, uh, the importance of um, getting freshers, uh, fresh blood into the agency and company, and then actually making sure that they understand their responsibility, that they need to be thorough with anything that they are actually doing, asking questions, being evidence-oriented, being target-oriented, and then coming up with the solution. I think it was an amazing eye-opening episode for anybody who is going to listen or if anybody who is listening, um, that if you have anybody who is uh, just starting out in the career, even if they are not in the UX, any career they are starting out, I think this is where they can get inspiration from and learn a lot from this conversation. So thank you very much. Shannon, once again, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And you summarized it very well, so better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we come to an end to this episode. So thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. And hope to see you soon the next time. All right. Have a good day ahead. Bye.